It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. This is Access Atlanta. Every week, we share some of the best places to eat, play, and live out loud in the ATL. And of course, we go behind the scenes and find the stories that show Atlanta is one of a kind. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. We've changed the way we do our podcast. That means we're recording it remotely from our homes, but we've also changed what we're talking about in the podcast, since we've always prided ourselves on providing guidance on things to do in and around Atlanta, and because most venues, theaters, and attractions are closed, we're going indoors, and in some cases where it's practical, outdoors to places where it's easy to practice social distancing. If you're missing live music, you're not alone. For the most part, it's been absent from our lives since March because of the pandemic. But human beings are a creative species, and so we're starting to see some live music returning on a limited basis and in a very different way. Here to talk about some of those alternative options and how some folks are working to save the spaces where music happens is the AJC's Melissa Ruggieri. Welcome. Hi, Shane. So live music, we all miss it, don't we? (laughs) <laughs> yes, I, I am really tired of being home watching TV every night when I'm so used to being out at a venue several nights a week and interacting with other human beings other than my husband. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's just not the same. It's like there's, you know, I've, I, you know, as you know, I've, I've seen some, you know, some of the streaming things and all mm-hmm. of that. And, and those are fun and they're interesting in a totally different way. But you also miss that that interaction, that live energy and all of that. Absolutely. I mean, you got to give the artist credit for hopping on the live stream thing, you know, really quickly. I, I think you and I even talked about this back in like March or April, right. um, because once everything shut down, at least they use that outlet to connect with fans. But at this point, it's it, it's sort of almost become, you know, the, the new thing to do. So everybody does it and it it's almost a little oversaturated because yeah. you kind of, you know, now at first it was sort of a novelty. Like, like I remember, you know, you, you saw the woman in New Zealand perform and it was like, Oh wow, I can get up at six in the morning <laughs> and, yeah, and see this yeah. show in New Zealand. Now yeah, it's sort of like, all right, everybody does it. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was, yeah. I had to get up at 6am I think. Cause well, that's when it started. So I got up even before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, it, funny enough because New Zealand has, uh, you know, contained this pretty well uh not completely but but mostly um Mm -hmm. she's actually started doing some live shows um you know in-person live shows back in new zealand now so 
You mean they actually can get back to real life a little bit there? Yeah, they, they have. <laughs> I mean, they're still doing, you know, the social distancing, smaller venue, you know, right. people are further apart and, and stuff like that. But uh, but she has actually done a few shows live. So. Well, and, and we are starting to see that here a little bit. At the end of July, Eddie Owen, with his Red Clay Music Foundry in Duluth, he actually held the first you know in, indoor live concert in the Atlanta area since everything shut down. And you know Eddie's somebody, of course, who's been in the business forever and you know knows the, knows the market really well. And he's not a guy who's going to take risks with anything. But he got to the point where he felt like I really need to keep the name out there in some capacity. Yeah. And they were doing live streams for a couple of months, actually, the, the artists would come to the venue and perform and they would just live stream it. So they just sort of took the next step and the place holds 260 people. But for this first show back in late July, it was the Justin Barnes sextet. They're an Atlanta jazz sextet who are really, really good. And, you know, of course, when I heard about it, I'm like, I will be there because yeah. <laughs> I have nothing to do and I really want to be in a venue again. Right. So, And it was it was great just to just to be among people. Now, even though he made 65 tickets available, only 11 people bought tickets because, you know, there, there's still a whole lot of apprehension. But I talked to several of the people who were there and most of them were locals who live in the Duluth area and they would come to Red Clay Foundry on a regular basis anyway. But they just sort of felt the same way that they just wanted to have some sense of normalcy and maybe be around other people, but in a distant way. <laughs> and it was very easy right. to do in a, in a venue that holds 260 and 11 people are there. Yeah. And, you know, of course, they, they did everything that they could as far as, you know, having sanitizer stuff out. And um, Eddie was actually being the bar runner in case anybody wanted to drink. He would, you know, <laughs> give him a cell phone number and you could you could text him your drink order and he'd go to the bar and get it for you and <laughs> worry yeah. about payment later kind of thing. So, so, you know, kudos to him for somebody has to go first, you know, and I think that's yeah. the, that's going to be the problem even when we get back into bigger artists and bigger venues that the, you know, the, the, the collective um, apprehension that everybody has, someone's going to have to break that <laughs> and, yeah. and say, yeah. you know what, we're, we're just going to do it. So also Eddie's Attic, which of course used to be Eddie Owen's place, but he sold right. it several years ago and is no longer part of it. But Eddie's Attic has also done a handful of shows. They've done four shows there and they're capping at 65 also. And three of them were sold out. One was at 80%. They have some others on the books that, you know, are kind of, they, they don't always want to confirm stuff 100% because it's still a, a fluid situation. So right. just, you know, keep checking. I would just recommend, you know, check their website just to see if something is actually happening or if it's going to be postponed. But you know, again, they're kind of doing the same thing. Their kitchen is closed. So if you want to bring some food yourself, you can do that. But with, you know, capping and masks and that was the other thing, you know, you, you they you did have to wear a mask and that was yeah. fine. You know, I'm totally fine with that. And hey, yeah. if it gets us if it gets us in some place, like I just went to Las Vegas these last few days and, you know, yeah, masks are mandatory there, which was great and sanitizers everywhere. And it wasn't quite the same experience as the other 9,000 times I've been to Vegas, but at least I could go to Vegas. So <laughs> so it's the same, yeah. same with going to concerts. You know, I mean, they're going to be some concessions or sacrifices, if you will, that we have yeah. to make. But but hey, you know, it's, it's, it's a way to get out and do something. So so those two venues are are tentatively moving forward with stuff. I know City Winery is still temporarily closed. They've got some shows on the books for September, so hopefully they'll reopen by then. And, you know, just waiting to hear from some of the other places like Smith's Soul Bar, The Masquerade, and Variety Playhouse, and, you know, just right. kind of find out what's what's going on with, with all of those. But outside of, you know, going into a venue and sitting down in a seat, since 
June, there has been a series of parking lot concerts. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a couple guys from Atlanta. They're they're the street execs. That's sort of their their name for their marketing firm. They're the guys who also did um, Two Chains's uh, Pink House, Pink Trap House, back what was that a year or two ago? It seems like five hundred years ago now. Yeah, <laughs> everything. Right. Yeah. And they came up with this idea to hold hip hop concerts in a parking lot, essentially. And they were doing them at Murphy Park Fairgrounds for the first couple of months. And they've since moved to the parking lot at the new Gateway Arena out by the airport. And, mm-hmm. you know, they've had some they've had some big names like Rick Ross and Travis Porter and Young Dolph is going to be there on August 23rd. So you can just check out their their website and, you know, kind of see who's been there, who's coming up. And they're doing, you know, they're trying to do the social distancing thing, whereas every car has two parking spaces. So one to park your car in and then one to have some space if you want right. to get out and dance or, you know, or, or whatever. I, I, you know, to me, that's sort of the, I don't know. Do I, do you keep, it's so hot out now too. It's like, do you keep the yeah. car on and then you have all this exhaust in the parking lot right. and you're running down your battery or, yeah. you know, I, I've, I, I, again, I applaud anybody who's trying to find a way to make something work. Not all of them appeal to me in, in just the setup of what they are, because right. I don't really see how you're going to feel that same energy, either sitting in your car or sitting on your car or near your car or whatever, than, than you would, you know, in a venue when you're inches away from other people and all sharing yeah. that same momentum and excitement and everything. But right. again, you know, hey, it's something to do. So right. Right. <laughs> I'm going to knock it anyway. Yeah, as you mentioned, it's it's pretty hot out, but I imagine you know that that part of it at least will be alleviated a little bit in the coming months. So hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Well, the parking lot concert people said that they initially planned to go through Labor Day. I don't know if since we talked, we talked probably you know three or four weeks ago, um, you know if they're planning on extending that or not. And there have been a couple of things of actual live shows, like Alan Jackson did a couple of live parking lot shows in Alabama back in June, mm-hmm. and the uh, production company that puts those on premiere, they are still talking about maybe bringing him here because, you know, he's from Georgia too and doing something like that here. They had also scheduled a Chris Tomlin tour of, you know, maybe three or four cities. Atlanta was one of them or just outside the Atlanta area was one of them. And that was supposed to happen last month too. But then it wound up, wound up being canceled at the last minute just because they felt like they, they might not be able to pull it off safely enough with social distancing and, you know, people getting sick and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, the, the idea is there to do it. And I think there is definitely, you know, an appetite for going, you know, going to see somebody live in front of you. Like I said, not necessarily my thing, but <laughs> it's right. it's something that I, I could understand why people would want to get out and do something. And then you have this other element that started in June with Garth Brooks. It's a, a company that started doing these live, and I put that in quotes, concerts, and I put that in air quotes too, <laughs> at, at, at drive-in movie theaters around the country. And we had Garth Brooks in June. We had Blake Shelton with Gwen Stefani and Trace Atkins in July. And now coming on August 29th will be Metallica. And the way these things work is the artist films a specific concert for this screening. And they, you know, Garth did it in Nashville a couple days before, you know, his aired. I know that Metallica is doing theirs at their headquarters in Northern California, like this week or next week, they're recording a specific show. And then on the date, which is August 29th for Metallica, you know, hundreds of drive-ins throughout the country will air it all, you know, somewhat simultaneously, obviously with, you know, time changes and and stuff. It's not all going to be at the same time. And one thing I want to clarify for people. So 
with these shows and here in Atlanta, by the way, it, it's playing at the uh, Starlight Drive-In and also at the Tiger Drive-In, which is in Tiger, Georgia. Those seem to be the two that have consistently shown these things. But I just want people to know that when you see the price and it says $115, which is what it is for Metallica, and it was roughly that for Garth and, and Blake, that's for a carload of people. It's not per person. So it's up to six people in your vehicle. Right. would cost $115. So if you have a lot of friends that, that you're comfortable being that close to in a car, you know, the math works out that it's not that bad. Would 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 right. I pay $115 myself or even for two people to, you know, go sit in my car yeah. and watch essentially, you know, a lot a concert movie? Not really. Right. Yeah. Again, <laughs> depends how yeah. desperately you want to get outside and yeah, and just scream the last waltz or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, stop stop making sense. I mean, yeah. there's so many, yeah. there's a lot of great concert films that they could be showing. And I do wonder going forward i know they've done really well the, the first two with garth and, and blake and gwen um and i'm sure metallica will do well too because it's the first one that's appealing to a rock audience and not a country audience but I, I i'm curious going forward if they're going to be as popular now that movie theaters are opening again because you know i think especially in june and july and and even these last few weeks those of us who were used to going to the movies a lot which i am too you you kind of felt like okay well this is a close experience to doing that. At least I'm watching something on a, on a giant screen. That's not like my phone. And, and now, now that, you know, the, the theaters around the country, the regular theaters are going to be opening in the next week or next couple of days, actually. Um, you know, I wonder if people are going to be as excited about going to sit in their car to, to watch one of these special concerts. And, you know, maybe they will, because again, it's, it's still a unique event. It's not something that you're going to see anywhere else. Although I bet you anything by the end of the year, we start seeing these on some streaming service or something (laughs) that they sell the rights to it or or whatever. Oh, Uh, but for now, you know, yeah, but you know, for now, this is, this is another option for you if you, if you want to go out and do something. So, so yeah, Yeah, you know, there there are things to do. And meanwhile, it's like I, I just remembered something that I had totally forgotten about. Uh, one of my favorite bands, Idols, as you know, yeah. um, mm-hmm. they are they have a new album coming out in September. And part of the, you know, the fan package that they were selling, you know, when they announced the album, all that was um, three live streaming concerts that they're going to be doing. Oh, cool. Um, so so and, and I've seen other bands doing something similar as well. So I think a lot of people, since they're not going to be able to tour, uh, right. behind these albums, at least for a while, um, are doing these special live stream concerts and, you know, they're ticketed events, mm-hmm. uh, but they're, they are actually live. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's unlike these, um, you know, these pre-filmed things, the, these are actually live streamed, uh, events and, and for as, as idols has done it, uh, they have, actually put out the set list that they're going to be doing for each of the three shows. So, Oh, that's cool. That's, yeah. That's yeah. Very, it's a pretty yeah. cool thing. And yeah, that's, I think that's a creative and interesting way to do it, uh, to promote the album and, you know, to give fans something. Absolutely. Well, you know, it, along those lines, Chris Daughtry is doing something similar. He's calling it his live from home tour, a virtual tour. Mm-hmm. And, it just started last week and he's playing 19 different acoustic concerts for 19 cities and including Atlanta is going to be on August 27th. So for each, you know, each show is different than the last and you can buy, you know, you can buy a ticket of varying levels. You know, if you want to do, you know, a VIP ticket or, or whatever, you know, you can, do song requests and have a Q and a session with them afterward and, you know, stuff like that. Or you could just buy a ticket just for the straight up live stream. And what's also kind of cool is in each market that he's doing this for, he's picked a venue 
as the beneficiary for some of the oh. money that you know he's going to receive and in Atlanta it's going to be the Fox Theater which will benefit from it which which is a which is a nice thing to do too so so yeah i mean he's kind of taking a creative route of I, I mean, a virtual tour really is the best way to describe it. And right. uh, you know, again, you're, you're looking at a screen, not the same thing necessarily, but it's also a lot more intimate than it would have been had he been playing at the Fox because, you, you know, you will or cer- certain people at least will be able to ask him questions or type in a song request or something and interact with him a little bit more than than you would. And, and that's kind of a cool thing, too. And, and as idols doing something like that, too, like are they also doing any type of fan interaction or well, Q&A I don't, know, I don't know that that's the case um it's like I, I'm not sure exactly how they're doing that although I wouldn't be at all surprised if they do something similar to that it may not be attached mm-hmm. to this live stream. they they tend to do with it, a lot of things like that they're very interactive with fans and, and such like that so um that wouldn't surprise me and I just noticed I, I went to check and and the the live streams that they're doing are actually from Abbey Road uh, oh, cool! <laughs> so yeah, yeah, they're pretty cool. It's in it's August 29th and thirtieth. They're doing two on the 29th and one on the thirtieth. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh it's pretty cool, and and I have a feeling that a lot more people are probably going to be doing um, something similar. Um, yes, yes, you know, because it, I, I mean it's it's a way for them them to make some money too. Obviously, they're yeah. not making what they would be making, you know, from a major concert promoter on a major sure. tour. But it's better than if you're going to be sitting around in your in your basement. At least you know make it profitable and make your right. uh, give you give yourself a creative outlet. If you know if you're a creative person, which most of these people right. are, um, let's not also forget to talk about the venues and yeah. the especially our local independent venues and and those around the country. And just what a hard time they are having now. I mean, even when you look at an Eddie's Attic or a Red Clay Music Foundry, you know, I, I said to Eddie Owen when I went out to that jazz show, you know, how is this financially feasible that you've got 11 people here? And, you know, sure, it's a scaled down staff or maybe four people, you know, from the venue working that particular night. And but still, you know, you've got lighting, you've got sound and those shows that they're doing live at Red Clay Music Foundry, they are also streaming online as well. And you can yep. tip the artist, you know, via like a PayPal thing while the show is going on, if, if you'd rather just stay in your house and watch it. But he said, you know, it's not financially feasible. He said, there's no way that I can survive doing this. And he said, you know, we might be OK through the end of the year doing it, but I honestly don't know what's going to happen come January if this is still the situation. And um, over the summer, there was an organization that came together. I believe it's based in Minneapolis. It's the National Independent Venue Association, known as NEVA. And, you know, a ton of venues around the country. It's a couple thousand at this point. And in Atlanta, you know, Center Stage, The Masquerade, um, Smith's, most of our independent venues are part of it. And they're basically saying, okay, we're a small business, just the same as a restaurant or, you know, a sewing shop or <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. And we have zero income coming in and we have no way of making any money. We were one of the first industries to shut down and we're going to be one of the last industries that are going to be able to come back in any sort of normal functioning way. And we need some government help just the same as other businesses have received government help. And they couldn't apply for the PPP loans because, Part of the, the the string attached to that is that you have to hire back your people within eight weeks of receiving the loan. Otherwise, you have to pay right. the loan back. And they can't they can't guarantee that. I mean, there's no way that they could open within eight weeks of getting that money. And then they'd have to you know pay the money back. So what is the point? So the last couple of weeks, there's been this really strong push. It's called Save Our Stages. It's a hashtag Save Our Stages. And finally, just the other day, yesterday, I believe it was, Chuck Schumer 
is now, you know, he's co-sponsoring. It's a bipartisan bill, the Save Our Stages Act. It's it's John Cornyn from Texas, Amy Klobuchar, and, and now Chuck Schumer's involved. And they're really trying to push this forward to get some help to these venues because it's true. I mean, the the, the stats that the that Neva gives out says that 90% of venues around the country are going to be forced to close in the next six months if they don't receive right. some type of funding. And yeah. when when you think of when you think of the number of people who are employed at all these places as well, from the lighting guy to the bartenders to the you know we'll call ticket ticket sellers you know all all those people are currently out of work also so it's such a trickle yeah. down effect of of how hard yeah. this industry has been hit it's like you know yeah sure you hear about live nation and you hear about aeg and they're multi-billion dollar companies and you know even even they've had to make cutbacks and everything and but you know it's one thing for them to try and survive it's a whole other thing for you know someone like Center Stage or Terminal West to try and pull through this stuff alone, and and it's happening around the country. I mean, I think you mentioned that Austin is has already lost yeah. several venues, right? Yeah, they've lost uh, five venues that I know of. Last time I checked, and and it's also this is also affecting you know uh, live music worldwide as well in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. Their venues closing. They have a similar thing called uh, Save Our Venues, mm-hmm. um, so it's very mm-hmm. similar to here. And I know Manchester has lost a couple of uh, small independent venues already. And just like Austin, it's a very big music city. And, and Yes, um, absolutely. So and, and, and the Cavern Club. Uh, have you heard about the Cavern Club? And, you know, no. the, the famed Cavern Club in Liverpool, you know, Beatles lore, right. history, everything that they might have to close. Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. they're not quite yeah. there yet, but but they're definitely, you know, hanging in the balance saying, OK, you know what? They're, I forgot. I just heard something, a story about the other day, too. I forgot how much they're losing. It's something like forty thousand dollars a week, maybe no. it's either forty thousand a week or forty thousand a month. But wow. whatever it is, you know, I mean, again, you're, you're talking the livelihoods of dozens and dozens of people who work there as well as yeah. the artists who played there. And just because nothing's happening in the building. They still have rent to pay. They still have to keep the lights on and the air running and all those, you know, all those expenses that are still part of it too. And then when they reopen, you know, it might have to be in a limited capacity, just like Eddie's Attic and and Red Clay are doing now. And think of the extra expenses they're going to have with having to, you know, invest in sanitizer and having mm-hmm. to put a plexiglass and right. all yeah. these all these little things that we might look at and go oh yeah how much is a jug of you know of sanitizer right. or whatever but you know you multiply that by hundreds and hundreds of people coming through your venue and and that stuff starts to add up as well so yeah. they're 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 being you know they're, they're getting hit from all sides and that they have no income coming in and then once they do open they're going to have additional expenses on top of their usual operating expenses right. so it's just, you and know, without, it's, without those venues, I mean, a lot of bands will never, yes. you know, artists will never have anywhere to play. It's like, you know, we'll be at the mercy of, you know, corporate music again. I right. Think, well, but, but even that I mean, and also yeah. and most corporate music places are bigger venues, too. So, yeah. you know, if you're, you know, Janelle Monet played one of her first shows at Smithsole Bar, you know, Kings of yeah. Leon. That was the first show they played as a band. That was at Smithsole yeah. Bar. You know, I mean, when you look at the history of these venues and, you know, think of who's come through center stage over the years that, yeah. you know, that you know, B2K, um, no, B2K scratch that bts <laughs> played at center stage yeah. a few years ago and when they were supposed to come back here this spring they were going to be playing bobby dodd stadium i mean you know they're they're one yeah. of the biggest ba- you know one of the biggest groups in the country right now in the world and you know but they but one of the first shows they played was at center stage so you know you take away those options and right. it's you're right. I mean, then then how does that then trickle down to the artist side of stuff of where where are you going to get your 
play out? I mean, where are you, where are you going to ex- get exposure to artists unless you happen to be on a bill with somebody else as an opening act and a bigger show? So, yeah, yeah it's uh, it, it's really it's really a sad thing. And you can go to um, the Neva website, and of course, you know, Save Our Stages certainly will take donations and things like that. That that they're you know just trying to get money any way they can to push through right. and. And, you know, even even a, a chain like City Winery, I mean, it's still it's a chain, but it's still an independently owned chain <laughs> you know? right. just because they have five or six locations or a little more than that, I think, around the country. You know, it's it's, it's he's still a local business guy. <laughs> you know, It's not yeah. it's it's not like it's some big corporate thing. So, yeah, and I mean, you'll find yeah. local artists there as well. You know, sure. they, they, play, they play City Winery as well. So Sure. I mean, local, regional. I mean, those are, yeah. you know, those those are all yeah. necessary places for these artists to play yeah. and. Yeah, I know. It's 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 really, really sad. So definitely. But, you know, ch- check out Neva, check out what they're doing. Let's hope that something gets passed in the legislative side of things that these guys don't have to sweat it out so much for the, you know, because I, look, let's be honest, we're not going to see any meaningful concerts return before the beginning of the year. I mean, at this point, I think back in. I think back in March and April, everybody was thinking, yeah, by July or August, we should be able to maybe salvage some of the summer concert season, even at the amphitheaters. And then, of course, you know, as the weeks trickle on and, you know, you look at what's going on around the country, you kind of shake your head and say, yeah, this is not going to happen. Right. And Yeah. And we should I- also mention, it's like you've mentioned Neva a couple of times. I want to tell mm-hmm. people, it's like they may not know, that's the National Independent Venue Association. Through, yes. You know, I, I right. just realized we never really said that, <laughs> and, <laughs> but they are part of that. And also that... Um, the the bipartisan bill that you talked about, uh, Chuck mm-hmm. Schumer's just signed on to, but that, you know, and Cornyn and Klobuchar, but there's also a, a House version of that bill as well, which, you know, we'll need to go through both of them. Um, so, yes. you know, that, that's in the works. But meanwhile, they're trying to raise money and um, raise awareness for the fact that these venues are just not uh, able to to continue to operate and we may lose them. And, and if you don't want to lose them, go and, you know, at least spread the word. Right. Right. And I, and I've seen, you know, um, one of the operators of the 930 club in DC penned an op-ed for the Washington post a few weeks ago. And, you know, reading the comments on it was sort of enlightening because of course, you know, you have plenty of people who were saying, you know, absolutely, we need to do what we can to support this or whatever. And then you have people saying, you know, who cares, you know, you know, you're, yeah. you're the least important thing in my world. You know, I've got, why don't you worry about getting kids back in school and stuff like that. And, and sure, that's an understandable mentality depending on what your life situation is. But I think we could all agree, you know, at, even if you're not really into the arts that much, what the arts contribute to society and a, yeah. and a well-rounded society. And you take that out of the picture and, you know, it, the, the loss is really incalculable. I mean, it's just, right. it's the staggering. Yeah. What it'll be. Exactly. And, well, because many of these people that they want to go back to school will, will study the arts and will study exactly. music and will want and a place to play. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah, it, it affects everyone. And, and it's not just, you know, we can't, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can, you know, support these <laughs> yes. things and we can still, you know, think about the fact that, that we could lose these venues. It's, you know, absolutely. It's, it's you know, and they're not mutually exclusive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I right, mean, right, you know, lo- right. lots of one, industries need help. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, right. Yeah. I mean, just because, you know, just because one area of life might, 
be, you know, more important on a grander scheme doesn't mean, doesn't lessen the importance right. of something, you know, that's on a more creative level. And, you know, and, and talking about, you know, all the musicians who might not have places to play, think of comedians too. I mean, you know, yeah. and, and because they, right. a lot of them play in these same venues and as they yeah. work their way up the scale from the, you know, Chuckles Comedy Club in Iowa, you know, at some point they'll be playing at the Tabernacle or yeah. <laughs> at some yeah. point at Center Stage or, you know, something like that. And to, to lose those options would just be devastating from an artistic standpoint too. So yeah, there's, there's so many, there, there, there's no reason not to support this really. Right. I mean, right. And they, they are employers of, you know, of regular Americans who, you know, they, they have to go to work and, and these places employ them. And, exactly. Exactly. You know, so, so they are, they are job creators. Yes. Um, you know, yes. sadly right now they're not, but. And, um, and I think know, people forget about that. So. Be again. Yeah. And I do think people forget about that sometimes because, you know, most people, when they go to a show, they're focused on whoever's on the stage and that's fine. I mean, you know, you're you're going for escapism or enjoyment or whatever. It's not like you're necessarily thinking about the guy who had to climb up, you know, the ladder hanging upside down to make sure a speaker was properly aligned. But, you know, that guy doesn't have a job now. Neither does the bus driver who was driving the band everywhere. (laughs) Neither neither do the bartenders and the ticket takers and the security guards and everybody else who was, was part of the venue as well. I mean, they're, they're all, they're all out of work as well. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I really, really, really hope that something comes through with Save Our Stages and, you know, and Neva and this bipartisan bill get some get some traction because it's it's really, really needed. And, you know, I guess I guess we'll see. Like I said, the parking lot concerts, the street execs guys say that they were looking, you know, through Labor Day to put something out there. I know Freaknik was also hoping to reimagine itself by doing a series of, you know, live parking lot concerts because they still had their lineup intact, even though they know that, you know, they're not going to be able to put on the show, you know, put on the event like they did right. last year for their for their big comeback year. Um, so, you know, that'll be out there. You've got the movie stuff with the Metallica drive in concert air quotes uh, on August 29th. And then, you know, keep an eye, like I said, on the Eddie's Attic website and the Red Clay Music Foundry website and just, you know, check to see what's what's coming up there. I probably will have an updated story next week about some another venue or two that I'm hearing, you know, is planning on bringing some live stuff back in the next, yeah. you know, three or four weeks. So keep an eye out for that on the music scene blog. And right. it, I try to keep up with everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard well, sometimes because yeah. it's so fluid. You know, that's the thing. I mean, you know, yeah. or, or they have the best of intentions of reopening and they'll say, Hey, yeah, we're going to have, you know, our first show back is going to be whatever. And then two days beforehand, they call me and say, yeah, never mind. But we told you <laughs> that's not actually happening yeah. anymore because you know, with health, I mean, health has got to be everybody's priority and of course, and, you, yeah. and you've got to, you know, you, you've got to kind of work around that. So, so my advice is, you know, Keep an eye on the on the individual websites, and we'll keep you posted as much as we can as well. Well, that's a great place to wrap it up, and and I'll say again that the Atlanta Music Scene blog, uh, Melissa is keeping up with all of these things as as they change, and also all of the things that we have already spoken about here uh, today. The the drive-in uh, shows, the the uh, parking lot concerts, and other things. Uh, you'll find stories on the uh, blog about all of those things. Um, so yes. definitely check that out and, you know, bookmark it, go back, check it because, uh, we'll be updating all the time as we do about all the events that may or may not be happening in and around Atlanta. Well, thanks so much. Melissa. Yes. Yes. I was going to say, I think the next time you and I are talking, we'll be talking about my recent travel foray and, uh, what, yeah. what, what, what that world is like right now too. So <laughs> we will, yeah, we will talk yeah. soon. <laughs> ahead, yeah. Definitely come back and, uh, and see, see what it's like to travel in the days of COVID-19. So there's nothing normal about our new normal, but AJC.com is the same trusted source you've always had. 
and we have just as much great content, if not more. That's why each week I'll highlight my personal picks for the best things to do, see, and experience. And the stories are easy to find on AJC.com. In her roundup of fall books we're looking forward to, Suzanne Van Atten writes, In a stroke of serendipitous timing, several new books by Southern authors coming out this fall boast a big dose of humor, something we can all use more of right now. And in a time when we're spending more of our days at home, books can be a great comfort and a source of non-televised entertainment. Among the Southern authors with new titles on the horizon are Fanny Flagg, Rick Bragg, and George Singleton. Go to AJC.com to find out more about this fall's recommended reading. If television is your thing, check out Rodney Ho's look at the new HBO series Lovecraft Country, which is partially filmed here in Georgia. It's a well-reviewed allegory that melts horror with a story of a young black Korean war veteran's search for his father during the Jim Crow era. He hits the road along with his childhood friend Letty and his uncle George, where they face both supernatural dangers and terrifying bigotry. Read more about Lovecraft Country and keep up with all the latest TV and radio news at Rodney Ho's radio and TV blog at AJC.com. Rodney Ho also has all the details about Tyler Perry's new virtual museum. He's celebrating the August 27th BET Plus release of Medea's Farewell Play with an online gathering of all things Medea at MedeaMuseum.com. It officially launched on August 17th. Get all the details and keep up with everything that's happening at Tyler Perry's studios on Rodney's Radio and TV Talk blog. And if you missed last week's podcast, be sure to check it out. It's an interview with Perry himself about how the studio is continuing to produce shows during the pandemic. And if you're riding through Little Five Points, you might notice a new mural on the side of the Aisle 5 building. Head to the AJC Life page at AJC.com to find out the story behind this new work. Dine-in service is back at some restaurants, but some are still relying heavily on takeout. The AJC's dining team is still exploring some of the best in takeout with Atlanta Orders In, which you'll find in print in the Living Section Monday through Friday. Recent visits include Kevin Gillespie's Gun Show, which has been completely reimagined. As Gillespie put it, it's a restaurant, frankly, that was built around the concept of packed full density. Gillespie has had to dispense with the roving dim sum style carts and gone with a prefix menu and a takeout picnic to go. Get the verdict on the gun show takeout menu and read up on all the places the team has visited on the Atlanta restaurant scene blog at AJC.com. To get the AJC delivered or to subscribe to the e-paper, go to AJC.com slash subscribe. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith. Podcast edited by Bria Felicien. Music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guen. And I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.